Good morning, good afternoon, happy lunch, happy Thursday. What is up, our fellow Knights? I am Jack Settleman. Joining me today, and as always, is Cynthia Freeland. Cynthia, how are we feeling? I'm good. How are you? I, I had I had COVID last week, so I'm like, so I know, I. I'm, but I'm all better now. It was good. <laughs> I just got out of protocols late last night, so I am eligible to play this weekend if anyone needs a kicker or water boy. Um, and apparently Cynthia is as well. Uh, I'm glad we're both feeling better. We've had incredible movement with the night since we last chatted. We've got two all pro players. Marlon Humphrey, Des Bryant picking up some nights. The momentum is good as we head into divisional weekend. We've got four incredible games. Let's start with the first one. Cincy at Tennessee. Cynthia, what are the numbers saying? Numbers are saying that it kind of, for me, comes down to Trey Hendrickson's availability. Obviously, he's in the concussion protocol, may or may not be available to play. It is that razor thin of a margin, despite they are missing other parts of their defensive front, which will make a big difference. And, of course, the Titans get Derrick Henry back. But it is really the Titans' secondary and their deficiencies there that really flag is interesting. So the difference is, is if Trey Hendricks is playing, and, of course, he had the second most pressures individually in the regular season, second only to Max Crosby. So interesting, interesting there. Interesting note on that one. Yeah, I think that game's going to be pretty tight. And I like Tennessee. I think they're one of the weaker one seeds personally. But in mm -hmm. this game, I do think they're the better squad. But it feels like matchup-wise, it favors Cincinnati. You talk about the deficiencies in the secondary. Is that really the biggest flaw for Tennessee in this matchup? I think it's probably I'm, – I'm really interested to see. I've seen some – some bad play from their O-line. So the different the the combination of O-line plus secondary is dicey for me because I like their defensive front. I think they're able to generate some really they're, – they're really good at tackling. They may not get that pressure in your face situation, but they're really good at tackling. And remember, the O-line for the Cincinnati Bengals, despite Joe Burrow throwing for a ton of touchdowns and yards, it is not a great O-line. So he's been sacked a ton. So if you look to see that matchup, I think that one that, that's not where Tennessee's deficient. It's going to come down to, for me, can Ryan Tannehill execute play action? So is Derrick Henry going to be good enough to execute enough yards so that the defense has to respect both the run and the pass on third down? Don't get into third and 27. Don't get into all of that situation that we saw from some teams last week and, and make sure that it, you can keep Ryan Tannehill really accurate with play action. I feel like... We, we haven't talked enough about A.J. Brown, Julio Jones may be healthy, because the storyline all comes down to Derrick Henry. But what do the analytics say? If Henry, let's assume he's fully healthy because he is a monster and he is a robot and he would be the one to return to full strength, does it make that big of a difference whether it's him or Foreman in the backfield for Tennessee? Well, the, reaction, the, the reality for me is that of course, Derrick Henry is, he's one of the best players in the, in the entire league, and he is a difference maker. But it, the ball control style, getting all of those possessions and keeping the ball in control for that amount of time really only works if your secondary doesn't give up big plays. And that's the strength of the Joe Burrow, especially to Jamar Chase. I mean, they set a rookie to second year to any quarterback, but a rookie record in terms of how many deep touchdown passes he's caught. It's seven 
20 plus air yard touchdown receptions this season, which is the most. I mean, next gen stats really only started tracking that since 2016, but you can go back even further that that was not the way that it was played before. And he has done something remarkable with that. And even just the fact that Jamar Chase will be out there opens things up for other people, right? And we've seen T. Higgins step up in certain situations or also CJ Uzama, like. Tyler Boyd. So they have so many different options in the pass catching game that the secondary could be very punishing, save for Kevin Bayard, who's a wonderful safety. And I will, I always feel like the secondary gets like knocked, but Kevin Bayard is, he's very, very good. He's but he's, a, you know, gotta have four people back there. Can't just have one. No doubt about it. All right. So I agree with you. I think this game, like you said, the numbers show it's a really close matchup. I believe Hendrickson, there was a status update for him this morning. I don't know if he went in practice. I believe it was limited. If I'm recalling correctly, he probably goes, it's the playoffs. You know how that goes, but it's a Saturday game. They're losing a day. If they had gotten the Sunday draw, the next game on Saturday, you were all over it last week with the 49ers. They're the new trendy. They come out of the locker room with a nice little boom box with their squad. They're going into Lambeau. They're almost a touchdown underdogs. What are the numbers saying about this game? Well, the injury report will be the indicator again here. And this one more than any other game this weekend because, you know, look, Aaron Rodgers, this is like his, like, you know, kryptonite potentially, right? So, the situation here is that Aaron Rodgers has the biggest differential in passer rating. So when he's not under pressure, he has the best passer rating in the league, 122.4 in the regular season. And then when he's under pressure, it drops so dramatically, like in half. Good news for him, he was only under pressure on the third least amount of time. That's horrible English, but I think we all know what I mean. <laughs> and the third least amount of time. So he hasn't been getting under pressure. He gets left tackle David Bakhtiari back. Right at the right time, this guy was pro football focused, number one left tackle in 2020. Remember, he was injured about this time last year. So he's taken, you know, he and he played about half of his snaps in week 18. So I think he'll be back up to the David Bakhtiari we expect. Well, good news, you know, that this is a strong pressure front. If Nick Bosa is unable to go, Fred Warner unable to go, that changes everything because the, the that pressure their secondary isn't that great it's the ability of the pressure to hold and to to they they have to and, and the secondary is just good enough to make the quarterback hold on to the ball and think think about it a little bit so that pressure can be effective because nick bose is just so explosive but if he's not playing it's just a it's a bad situation i will say though if he is playing, it could be a much closer game than people are forecasting because you can run on the Green Bay Packers. They average 4.7 yards allowed per rush in the regular season. That's, you know, tied for 30th or something crazy like that, like very low rate. The past three games, it's 5.6 yards per attempt. That's worse than 4.7. So there you go, going in the wrong direction. They're getting Jair Alexander back. He's a corner that helps in the past, but... You know, Kyle Shanahan knows how to execute those run plays. So this is, a, I think, could be a closer matchup than people are than than Vegas is, is projecting right now. However, without that front, it's going to be tough. It would be it's going to be yeah. tough. So there's so many interesting elements in this game. You've got obviously everyone will see on Saturday night. You know, Rogers from California. You know that the Niners should have drafted him. You know that I've the Niners... heard that story before. <laughs> You've heard that one before. Yeah. yeah, I mean, listen, I you know, I've my media narratives got to keep them all. <laughs> yeah. So you've got the media narratives. You've got the fact that numbers-wise, Shanahan and the Niners have had Rogers' number historically in the past. You talk, and then you watch what San Francisco looked like on the field against the Cowboys. 
they're flying around. They're physical. They're hard hitting. We know it's going to be cold in Lambeau. You say the Packers allow a lot of rushing yards. That's what they like to do, open up play action for Jimmy. But what do the numbers say? Because I read a stat that it's the Packers who actually have the most efficient run game, maybe in the whole league. Again, here's the thing. I saw that too. My my problem is there's a little chicken and a little egg here. If you're winning, your right. run game looks efficient AF, right? Like you can run the like if you're if you're up on teams like you're like so let's look at like first and second down. Let's look early in the game or when games are within scores. And then let's put an extra emphasis when they get behind. And then it tails off, right? Because mm. The, so, and, and I understand people, it's, it seems illogical to run when you're down, but remember it, this is not run when you're, when you only have seven seconds left on the clock. I'm talking about when you, you need to, you need to get the run game going on early downs in order to be efficient. So I, I think it's a very efficient run game, but to me, the metric of efficiency for me is what happens in, in crucial, like score scoring times, right? Not when you're playing from a huge lead and who knows what, what happens there, right? Like when you're, when you're in crucial crunch time, the beginning of games, setting up drives, like, are you able to adapt? So in the beginning, if it works great, your scripted plays, those first 20 to 25 plays. Awesome. Oftentimes those work when you have a really good quarterback helpful, but then what happens once the game sort of the, the chess match continues. Right. And I don't think that like this Niners defense, if they were at full strength, not that that's that wouldn't that wouldn't be it wouldn't look so efficient so wow. again it will be and i'm not being mean it's not it's not a mean no thing. no i love that you're calling out the numbers i think people who are watching would assume cynthia is going to roll with the numbers they do show but i i love your call outs this is a team who's the one seed they won 13 plus games so like you said in the fourth quarter they're going to be running the ball a lot and it's going to juice up their numbers that's a really interesting angle do you prefer one team or the other in this matchup? You know, I would like to see, like, I want to see, the, the matchup I want to see in the Super Bowl is probably the one that's actually, I mean, it's impossible because I actually think our Super Bowl might be this week between the Chiefs and the Bills, this rematch. Like, that mm -hmm. one's awesome. But I would really like to see Aaron Rodgers against either of these young quarterbacks. I love the, like, you know, either Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. So, I mean, I just, I'd like to see ahead of the season. I also like being right because who doesn't? And ahead of the season, my models all had the Packers and the Chiefs meeting in the Super Bowl. So I, I would like to stay correct. I would like to come correct with it. But I also had the Niners winning the division. So, you know, look, some things you're right, some things you're wrong. Um, I'm not going to be mad either way. I don't like this, like, Jimmy G narrative. It's not a fun one. When we, you remember I, my day job is I have to talk a lot about football for weeks and weeks and weeks. So I'd rather talk about like feisty old Rogers versus really <laughs> fun young gun, whatever, you know? So I, that's just my personal preference, but it, it, it's not an anti Niners take. Cause I, I will tell you, I, I got a chance to go before I got COVID. I went, maybe I got it at SoFi, but um, <laughs> I was at that Rams Niners game and those fans are really fun. So you know, I, I think, look, I, I, I root for fun always, but I just think in this matchup, I, I think the fun we're going to get is like, and then it fuels the narrative. Will Aaron Rodgers leave the Packers? Blah, blah, like this whole, might as well get the good stories instead of the ones that are like, ah, they fizzled out. And then they would, you know. That's, yeah, the that's media just... is still pushing Trey Lance on us because Jimmy's finger might be banged up against his shoulder. They just want the, the rook to be in for the most important game of the Niners season. Last question in this game. Any numbers you can share that says Lambeau Field is actually as advantageous 
as we think, because the Pack have struggled at home in the playoffs with Rodgers. At least that's what it appears to the naked eye. What do the numbers say? I mean, last year, without any fans, there was no home field advantage. In fact, away teams won more often. This year, there are places like Lambeau, of which Lambeau is one of them, where there is a there is a demonstrated overtime the, that the Packers win more often. And then you got to also, I'm going to also add in the fact that like, take out the crappy teams. So like, let's segment the data for things that matter because is it a, is it really a home field advantage when you're playing the lions? I mean, come on, like, (laughs) like they're still, so if you take games that were only, you know, let's say like, you know, I think I looked at it a little bit ago. It was like segmenting games that were only like a, you know, between, you know, anything under five and a half points, right. Where it's like Mm -hmm. closer. Right. Cause I don't think a seven point spreads a close game particularly so but i wanted to do a little more than just three for like the home field like so i looked at it and and they and they're one of like only five stadiums that have that the steelers were one the ravens were one like it's it's funny historic historic teams that have been good tended to be the ones that had it right like and the cowboys actually don't in their new stadium interesting um but you know there was but there was only a few where it was truly uh seattle was um, you know, tr- some of them, like the Giants, they haven't had games where they've been favored by five and a half in a long time. <laughs> but then when you go back far enough, then they do have that that advantage. Yeah. But when they're good. <laughs> right. There's obviously correlation to the fact that the home field advantage may appear when your team is good. Maybe the fans are even more excited when they're good. There's a lot of elements to it. Right. Let's right. move to Sunday's game. You said this game, Packers, was the most important given the Niners injury report. Am I crazy for arguing, depending on who can go for the Bucks, this matchup leans to the Rams? I think that, so my stuff, all of my data, I've been looking at what I call, like, like I, I started thinking about, so this about this time last year, I was like, I want to know about recovery data, meaning, so if I'm pressured, then what happens on the next data, on the, uh, sorry, on the next pass or the next play? Then I Then what I notice is that, some coaches don't call pass on the next play unless they absolutely have to. Some coaches call the same play again. There's this interesting, like you start to see these trends of at least thoughtfulness towards it. And then when you factor in what types of defenses they were looking at, like has this, had they seen at least 30% man coverage in the past, whatever, like you start to segment it, you realize that like some teams are not good at adapting at all. And some teams are really good at adapting. And the 40, or, sorry, and the Rams defense, and you saw it in the 49ers game, they're horrid this year Ooh. at adapting. They, and that linebacker and state level, I talked about it last week. I obviously got it, that one wrong. It was not correct. The Cliff Kingsbury did not adjust to anything in that game. <laughs> um, but I don't think Tom Brady is going to have that same inability to adjust. And the Rams defense, they're not good at adjusting. They the linebacker level and the safety level short passes to the left, like ranked number 30 in terms of completion percentage given up short passes to the left to the middle. These are areas where Tom Brady gets that quick pass off like a gun. Now, I would feel better if Tristan Wirfs were playing. Yep. And I would feel better if their whole O line was absolutely intact. Yep. But their defense got significantly more healthy. That's kind of what I feel is getting a bit overlooked because we all think about like the bright, shiny object of Tom Brady. And then we kind of forget about, oh, yeah, they can stop the run. So this one's really interesting to me. And I also don't think the Cam Akers surprise factor is going to be as prevalent as this one. I, the Cardinals were not ready for Cam Akers. Um, none of us were. I mean, how I does wasn't, this, yeah, I was going to say I wasn't ready for that. How does this kid come back from that injury in no time? Like, is he bionic? I don't know <laughs> if he's human, but 
nonetheless, like, I don't think that surprise factor will be there as much because now Todd Bowles saw that. And with all of his, you know, getting healthier on defense, I, I don't think he allows that surprise factor to really jump in as much. So I, I agree. I don't, I think this is going to be another close game. And I think that there, the injury report will be really indicative of what's going on there, especially Tristan Wirfs. But I, I just think we saw Tom Brady have his quickest time to throw so far and like since like 2016 last game, and that was against the Eagles. They figured out they didn't even tempt a deep pass till the second half. Like, like they didn't need to. So interesting. Thank, thank God for modern medicine. And by the way, if you think Cam Akers can come back that fast, I have a feeling Derrick Henry may look like him, his old self with an extra week on the bye. This game is interesting because I look at it and I see – if you can put Jalen Ramsey on Mike Evans, but do the Rams do that traditionally? Do they have Ramsey follow? I feel like he likes to play a side unless it's Devontae Adams, then it gets personal. I, you know, I think Jalen Ramsey is a, it's personal. And I think that, I think that they usually have him play a side. Like if Chris Godwin and Mike Evans were both playing, I think he would play a side because you've just got a problem. But I don't typically see him go into the slot as often. And you know what I saw in this last game, even though it was the Eagles and they were winning by a lot, I saw Mike Evans go into the slot more often. He'd only had like something like 19 total receptions in the slot prior to this last game. He had three against the wow. Eagles, which that it's, it seems like this small little thing, but to me, that's like a little nugget of like, Oh, we're doing this now. Got mm-hmm. it. Like, you know, we're, this is the, this is what we're going to pull out for this specific matchup to stay the heck away from Jalen. Like, why would you want to go anywhere near Jalen Ramsey? Go somewhere else. Like stay away, you know, and, and Jalen, I think that that's an interesting ego play too, because like Jalen, you want to come down in the slot now? Cause typically corners are like F you, I'm not a slot corner. That's the old guy, you know, like that's the <laughs> old guy on the team that plays that. Yeah. That is true. We thought Gronk would be the feature player in this matchup against the Eagles, but they actually used Evans a ton. Gronk was a little limited. I believe the L.A. linebackers could be the weak spot in the defense along with their safeties. Do we think Gronk gets back into the flow this week? Yeah, I think this is like the, you know, I, I even if, like, the, the thing that's funny is, like, Gronk's impact on this game, maybe it doesn't go to him in terms of, like, the, the fantasy points or the touchdown or the, mm-hmm. you know, if you're playing daily or whatever. I don't know what his price is on, like, any of the things. Like, I, that to me is a tournament play, not a, not a, like, a cash play because I don't know if it will be actually him catching the balls, but his the space he'll create for others because what you saw in the end of that Eagles game, I mean, Gronk had, like, three yards of separation on the, re- on the catches that were that went to him after it was sort of kind of – out of hand yeah absolutely all right it sounds like you got another tight one i mean vegas agrees all three of these games are going to be really close but the game of the weekend you said it super bowl preview potentially Mm -hmm. this is the afc championship i won't hear anything i don't care if tennessee looks great again since the end host this is the afc championship this is the team that's going to the super bowl for me bills looked unbelievable against new england chiefs looked unbelievable against pittsburgh this is the most exciting playoff game i can remember not in a championship game in a long time what do the numbers say for sunday 
So the first thing that stands out is both quarterbacks are facing different defenses than they saw the first time when the Bills won very, very soundly. The first thing Josh Allen will have to contend with, there was no Melvin Ingram in that first game. That's mm. a big deal. Chris Jones was not playing his I mean, natural position. He wasn't playing where he's most optimized in that game. Then we didn't have Juan Thornhill. He's now starting before it was Dan Sorensen. There was, and that, that is a big, that is a big difference, a monstrous difference. Um, and then the other side, Josh Allen, or I'm sorry, uh, Patrick Mahomes now faces no Tredavious White. And Tredavious White is a hugely impactful player. Now that could mean that they shift a safety over and they've got two great safeties on that Bills, in that Bills secondary, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. But that would mean more space for that monster person in the middle, which is Travis Kelsey. So now you have to figure out, okay, and I believe Matt Milano is not playing. So that is, an, that is interesting. Um, or no, I, sorry, Matt Milano didn't play in the first one. Matt Milano will be playing this one, but no Tredavious White. But Matt Milano is a lot smaller than Travis Kelsey, like, phys like physically size-wise. So it'll be interesting to see because I actually think, and this is an unsexy take, that what we saw from Jarek McKinnon, really bodes well for the Chiefs to be able to run the ball. In fact, I like an under in this game. I think everyone thinks it's going to be a ton Ooh. of points. I do think it's going to be a it's going to be a fun chess match, but I don't know if they'll all result in points. I don't love an under. I like the under because the thing is that I saw a 56. I think I have like 54 56? or something. 56? Like wow. Whatever. 54, 55, something like Like I have 54 in that one. So, you know – 54, 55, like, cause you know, none of these things are ever exact numbers. They're always <laughs> decimals. But, yeah. um, but when I look to see, okay, in this matchup, like you got to figure out whose run game is going to help set up the quarterback best. And they have been using Devin Singletary really, really strategically and really well. I, I don't say in the run game necessarily, cause it's been short passes in some games. It's been, you know, opportunities in the true run game outside or inside they, they, they found the mismatch it's just going to be a lot harder now that they've really reinforced that front and that spags defense it was talking to like i went to college with matthias kiwanuka and matthias kiwanuka played in that spags defense he you know was a, was a part of you know he's got those two rings and uh you know figuring out this tom brates and, and he said it's actually a complicated defense. It takes a little bit for people to explain it, understand it, which is why you see every year there's a ramp up with the Spags defense. It gets better as the season Crazy. goes on. And he was trying to explain to me kind of there's the risk taking becomes bigger at the end of the season, meaning they'll go for the sack or they'll, you know, be more, uh, they'll be more aggressive because they understand how to play the, play it better. So I, I also think that that's interesting. Like they're kind of on the up, whereas unfortunately the bills that's a down. You know, Tre Davis White is a huge loss. Levi Wallace is not is not a number one core. I mean, he is, but he's not. He's nowhere near. Tre Davis White's like top three in the league. You know, like mm. like you lose that guy, like that's a that's a big difference. And you got Tyreek Hill. Yeah, you talk about ramp up. This isn't a ramp up. This was the worst defense in the league, historically bad, to a team that was shutting out teams by mm -hmm. week ten. So that is an interesting matchup. Let's get back to some media narratives. What did the numbers say about Stefan Diggs watching the Chiefs celebrate last season's AFC Championship win? Is there extra motivation for the Buffalo Bills? Is there motivation for Mahomes to protect what is now his conference? I think this is this is the game. I mean, look, we saw we've seen Leslie Frazier even dial up like like the defensive coordinator for the Bills. Remember, he was the first DC to go zero blitz strategy on Patrick Mahomes, meaning like 
Patrick Mahomes is in that guy's head. You know, like maybe it's a good thing, maybe it's a bad thing, but like this this is an interesting, this is an interesting thing. And that trickles down to absolutely every facet. Brian Dable, he absolutely I mean, Brian Dable used to work for the Pats, so like last week was was a little personal. You know, I gotta yeah. like go back there, you know. And uh I think that I think that it's like they like a really healthy, like there's no hate there, but there's a like this is a very emotionally charged one for sure. Like that this one's circled, double circled, both of them have special tricks for the other one. I think the Bills were surprised a little bit last last year in terms of like, you know, we didn't expect them to be in it as long as they were. Maybe they're a playoff team, but not in it as long as they ended up being. And, you know, I think I think now it's 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 a thing, right? You pay Josh Allen all this money just after paying Patrick Mahomes. Like, I like it. I think it's I think it's like it's good. Like this is my, you know, I you put you like throw in the like the Joe Burrow and the Justin Herbert. Like we have like a lot of really good young quarterbacks that are like, oh, yeah. really exciting to watch for uh, for a long time, right? And I like these. And now it feels weird to be like, yeah, well, like these vet these wily vets like Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. You're like, wait a minute, they're like 26 <laughs> years old, but like you know, like you're like, oh, they're old. Like the, these are the old guys. The new guys coming in are like it's it's crazy to think, but it, but it's it's interesting. Like the Josh versus Patrick thing is like the. I want it to be like the new Peyton versus Brady. Like, That's you know. what I was. Yeah, I was saying this might be the new rivalry. And yeah, if sure. Allen can climb over Mahomes here, then it is an open playing field. If Mahomes wins this game, knocks the Bills out three straight years, goes to the AFC Championship for his fourth straight, probably goes to the Super Bowl for his third, then he falls into a whole different category. So a lot at stake. Final thing I want to cover is on each side of the ball. You mentioned last week, Chiefs really good against the short pass. Nightmare for Ben. I want to hear about that as it pertains to Allen. We know that the cover two shell against Patrick Mahomes has had success. Now he's more patient than he's dissecting it. Where are these two quarterbacks at when it comes to their opposing defenses? When you look at Patrick Mahomes in last week's matchup with the Steelers, you saw they spread the ball around far more often. It wasn't just Tyreek and Travis Kelsey doing all of the work, right? You saw, but but you even saw it like before the touchdowns and Tyreek doing all his gymnastics. But that is interesting. The Byron Pringles, the you know the the Jarek McKinnon off the edge. That's a new trick. That's a new fold. We haven't seen Jarek McKinnon in Andy Reid offense very much. There aren't a lot of snaps there. So that surprise factor, especially in that run situation. That's a big advantage for that offense. It's not a like, and it's not an unsexy take to say that Patrick Mahomes is going to like check the ball down. Like people like, ah, like they, like it's, are you saying Mahomes isn't good anymore? Like, no, I'm saying he's smart. Like, like this is how you win games. Like you can't get a pick six last time that went through a receiver's hand like that in this very game. It's very, a very improbable pick six too. So point being like they're taking the stuff that's higher probability and they're doing it and Andy Reid in this game will have the advantage of being able to be a true spread offense like if you look last season to this season what they did different the first those scripted plays nobody used more of the horizontal or vertical field than the Chiefs last year that like those first scripted plays they just got off to this big lead because nobody could figure out the spacing now defenses have caught up. They figured out the spacing. And now they're like, well, here's our next chess move. We're going to use things that are higher probability instead of like spreading you out and then making seemingly crazy passes. Now we're going to make it so that the higher probability passes are more what our foundation is. And we're going to use everyone. This is the most spread out. Last game was the most re- different receivers and the most volume to different receivers. We've seen Patrick Mahomes in a playoff game. Like, and and obviously the Steelers defense, you, you, the, the slot was a nightmare for them, but 
it, it worked for the Chiefs. So yeah. I think that's it's the pockets of it's the pockets of figuring that out and 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 Patrick Mahomes really seeing it. I think you know it's always going to be this chess game. Same with Tom Brady. Like you you know everyone's like, oh, you got to pressure Tom Brady in the middle. Okay, well the Falcons did that for a while until it didn't work anymore, right? So it's like right. everyone adapts. Absolutely. Well, this weekend is going to be amazing. I cannot wait. For all the Knights, thank you so much for tuning in. Hit us in the DMs if you have more follow-up questions about what the analytics say. I'm Jack Settleman. That's Cynthia Freeland. Everyone have an incredible divisional weekend.